for the reading in the scripture today, which is in Philippians 4, verses 1 through 9. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I plead with Judea and I plead with Syntychia to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Last, last, well, it wasn't the last time I was up here, but one of the previous sermons I got a chance to do was um, when we did our series about movies um how to train your dragon if anybody remember love that movie um and it was kind of like you know pastor mike church said okay here you you can preach about this thing um and it and you can choose something that you're really 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 excited to talk about um and so (laughs) i had us sit in the round if you remember and then i was pacing around in circles way too fast um, because I was super excited um, to preach that morning because I loved the movie, I loved the passage. I am even more so this morning. Uh, come from away. Oh, let me, let, let me back up, let me back up. I'm, I'm even more so excited uh, because, well, so Greg last week was talking about Fiddler on the Roof and he, you know, he said that I, I like musicals, I appreciate them. Uh, I, I certainly enjoy going to see them, uh, but I'm not so much like the total nerd uh, that will like play the show tunes in the car and like play it on the TV uh, at home when, when no one's around and sing it. And that's me. I'm I am the theater nerd. Uh, I, I was in theater all four years of high school and in middle school. Uh, Tim Grebe uh, was my first introduction to uh, musical theater, um, and I was hooked ever since. He was the director uh, for me in, high sc- in middle school. Um, where I'm also getting the chance with Jessica to co-direct our performance of Godspell, uh, and we are super excited uh, to share that with you guys in a few weeks. Um, the play I wanted to discuss this morning is called Come From Away. Uh, it's a remarkable true story, true story, written based off of interviews done uh, with real people after this event, okay? Uh, The characters are all real people. It is a true story. So it's a true story about what happened 
in a small Canadian town on the day of 9-11. This is my favorite all-time play or musical. This is why I am so excited to share it with you. It's, it's beautiful. It makes me cry. It makes me laugh. But most of all, it, makes, it fills me with joy and excitement and hope. So on the day of 9-11, basically every plane that was airborne all over the world had to be grounded at the closest possible airport, right? Immediately, as soon as the first tower or first uh, plane struck the first tower, okay? So, I mean, and, and this process would take, my guess is, a couple hours, right? All over the world, every plane that was airborne had to land. And these flights were coming from from literally all over the world. And 38, 38 double-decker, massive planes, full commercial-sized planes, landed at this tiny little island with this tiny little town in Canada. The island is called Newfoundland um, in and the town is called Gander. And these planes landed there. The reason they, had, they were able to do this, well, there was two main reasons. The first uh, was that back in the day, planes could not get all the way across the Atlantic Ocean without needing fuel. So they would stop at this island off the coast of Canada and get fuel. So they have a huge airport. There's a scene in the play that they're talking about, like all the people that, used, that have been to their town, like Muhammad Ali and the Queen and stuff. So they have this huge airport, but then now and then planes didn't need to fuel up anymore. They could just get all the way across. So they had this huge airport with nothing to do with it, right? And they're actually thinking about tearing it down. The other reason that this happened, that so many planes landed at this one airport, was because if something went wrong, the town of Gander had less people to lose. Okay. So they, they land on this, this, this town of, of, of Gander, um, and the people that were on the planes did not have any idea. This is before people had cell phones. Well, they had, some people may have had cell phones, but it's not like you could flip it open and look at the news. You might have service to be able to call if you were lucky enough to have a cell phone. Um, and they didn't know what was going on. Their, their, their pilot came over the radio and was like, we got to land. And they're like, why? And... <laughs> they didn't know. And so for about 36 hours, they had no idea. They were on the planes for about 28 hours before they could ever even deboard and get uh, onto the buses where the, uh, the people of Gander would then take them to like Salvation Army camps, uh, churches, schools, that sort of thing, uh, where they would stay and be fed. So the thing that I want to focus on for today with this story is that there are two groups of people in the story. Um, first, 
We have the Newfoundlanders, okay, the people of Gander, the people who lived in the town and cared for uh, the plain people. And you have the plain people, and the plain people were there for about five days, okay? They couldn't leave. The planes could not take off uh, for legal reasons, and they're still trying to figure out what's going on and all that. Okay, so these are two groups of people that I want us to try to put ourselves in their shoes today. Our scripture reading this morning is uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. I'm going to read it now. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Eudia and I entreat Sintiche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let thanksgiving and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if, these thing, if anything is worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard And seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. So, the first group of people. The plain people. They are come from a ways, as the Newfoundlanders would call them. The come from a ways are made up of flights literally from all over the world. For first 36 hours or so, they didn't know what was going on. There were flights from Germany... There were flights from Africa, there were flights from the United States, France, all over the world. All kinds of different people, different religions, different races. A serious, uh, what's the term, melting pot, right? So, one of the things that this play does so well for me um, is capturing the emotions of specifically the plain people. They were scared, angry, sad, anxious, desperate, confused. And these emotions are so humanly portrayed that even though I, even though I wasn't around, I wasn't born yet on the day of 9-11, I watched this play and I feel like I can resonate with the emotions of these people that they were having during this experience. This is great acting and it's great writing, Okay. But it also means that these emotions that they clearly portray in the the show uh, are innately human and everyone feels them. Maybe some of you guys today came in to church 
and you were feeling scared because maybe a loved one is sick or in pain of some kind. Maybe you are anxious because you have or are about to enter into another chapter of your life that is new and different. There's a high school graduate that just graduated in the room this morning, and I'm thinking about you, dude. You're about to enter into a whole different chapter of your life, and it will be new and different. Maybe you are confused about what God's plan and design for you is. If this is you this morning, I encourage you to do a couple things. But first, I encourage you to reach out to a loving support system, whoever that may be. Whether that be a family member, we have a great prayer team here at Sierra Press. We also have Pastor Mike and Pastor Greg. They would be totally willing to meet with you if you're feeling anxious, scared um, about anything, uh, come and talk to us. Uh, We would love to pray with you. The other thing I want us to sort of practice this morning is I'm actually going to have you reach into the Bible, reach into the chairs in front of you and get your Bibles out that are, we have Bibles in the chairs in church. It's crazy. Uh, and I want you to turn to Psalm 23, verse 4. It's a widely uh, heard and read verse. And what I want you to do is, while you read it, silently to yourself, I'm, I'm going to stop talking, okay? Silently to yourself, I want you to read it. And think about it in the context, and put yourself in the shoes. It, think about it in the context of two, of two ways. Okay, first, imagine trying to be one of those people from the plains and reading that verse. And second, imagine something. Think about something that gives you anxiety and fear, and then read that verse. Go for it. This is the verse that came to mind for me um, when I think about what the plain people really were going through. Um, I mean, they quite literally were walking through the valley of the shadow of death, right? When the plain people walk through the valley of the shadow of death, when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, And whatever that may look like in your life right now, fear no evil. God is with you. Christ has died for you so that if you put your faith in him and grow in relationship with him, you are never alone. His rod and his staff will comfort you. And as we read in Philippians, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will come over you, okay? 
So this is one way I would encourage anybody feeling anxious to calm themselves down and to know that God is with them is they open up Psalm and re- Psalms 23 and read verse 4. Another way that we actually uh, learned about this week in our staff devotional time. Summer, Duncan, shared with us a breathing exercise designed to center us and expel anxiety. So, Firstly, this is a scientific, real thing, right? When we are anxious, our heart rate is going too fast, we lose oxygen to the brain, and our fight or flight takes over, and we become basically useless, okay? In moments of anxiety, we can't think, we can't do. Our emotions get the better of us. We say things we don't mean, we do things we don't mean, right? So, breath, slowing your breath slows your heart rate. It allows oxygen back into the brain, okay? And you can calm down and think more clearly. So, this is scientific, but also, we know in many places in the Bible, it says that breath is life, right? This is a spiritual practice. God breathed life into the Word, Right? So the exercise goes like this. You breathe in very deeply, as deeply as you can through your nose, and you pray one half of a prayer, and then you exhale, and you pray the other half of the prayer. For the purposes of this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to pray... I don't need to be scared. You are with me. Okay? And you're going to do that to yourselves. In your heads, you could say it out loud if you'd like. I will say, I learned the hard way during our our Devo time. (laughs) If you expel the anxiety out on the exhale for like more than like four seconds, you might pass out. Um, so just don't need anybody passing out today, okay? Uh, and you're going to do this five times, okay? So you're going to close your eyes, you're going to pray, you're going to breathe in five times, okay? I don't need to be scared. You are with me. Go for it. So immediately, you feel a sense of peace, no? Um, This is scientific. This is also something that God calls us to do in moments of anxiety, okay? This is a great 
way to calm one's nerves so that you can then care for others. Because sometimes we are the plain people and we're anxious and scared and desperate and confused. And sometimes we need to take a step back and have a moment to breathe. But sometimes we are blessed to be like the people of Gander, the Newfoundlanders, the people who have a chance to come alongside others who are anxious or scared. The Newfoundlanders are awesome. Uh, There's a bit of a Canadian stereotype of like, oh, they're just like really super nice. My theory about this community is that it was made up of a lot of Christ followers. Um, It says a couple times in the play that there are lots of churches uh, there, lots of different kinds of churches, uh, but that there are a lot of churches there. Uh, My theory is that there's a lot of Christ followers because, for one, they're they're totally, like, really inherently kind and selfless, Um, but also they give a fantastic example of how we, as Christians are called to reflect the love of Christ in three big ways. First, that they are faithful. Okay, The people of Gander um, were faithful to the plain people and to God. Uh, they worked day and night for five days. Like, seriously, at one point, the, the mayor gives, gives a line uh, where he's talking about yeah, I didn't sleep for like two days because I was running around. People were making food. We had to get uh, toilet paper to the Lions Club. And so they were faithful servants. They worked beyond what they were probably capable of. And they shared their faith with others. One of the women that was stuck there from the plains uh, was trying to get in touch with her son during the five days that they were in Canada. Her son was a New York City firefighter. And again, this is before phones, right? So uh, she eventually finds a phone and she's just sitting by that phone basically all week um, trying to get a hold of her son, who she believes technically he's not actually working this week, but she believes that he went to work after he heard what happened. Um, And so she is all kinds of messed up, understandably. And she makes a friend uh, while she's there. the friend is, I don't know if she's the principal or what her position is within the, the local high school, but she works at the local high school. And uh, this friend that she makes is a Newfoundlander, and she, one, one day, watched, while this woman is there, freaking out, crying by the phone, um, just can't expel any of this anxiety and fear, takes her to church. Uh, to one of the local churches, and they sing a a hymn uh, that we've never done here. Um, Jonathan actually couldn't find it. Um, I I wonder if its roots are are maybe Catholic. But 
the hymn is called Make Me a Channel of Your Peace. Okay? Um, and they sing this song in the play, and it's, and it's beautiful. Um, and <laughs> the thought, even just the thought, but then the action of taking this woman to church, probably spending gas money, it probably wasn't as big deal back then, is incredible. And, and, and further proof that I believe that this, this community is full of Christ followers. Um, takes her to church, prays with her in this time of need. They sing this beautiful hymn. The second, um, the second way that uh, the Newfoundlanders reflect the love of Christ um, is, I'm going to kind of lump them all together, um, peace, patience, reasonableness, and gentleness. I read from Philippians in my Bible this morning, which is ESV, um, and we had up here NIV. So you, I read let your reason, in verse 5, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. You guys read up there, let your gentleness be known to everyone. This is essential to being able to come alongside somebody in an anxious moment and praying with them. We are called to have gentle and soft hearts, right? You definitely don't want to be as anxious as the person you're trying to serve in that moment, right? So as we've discussed, the plain people are in an extremely stressful situation. They are full of anxiety and fear, and the locals come alongside them in beautiful ways, including... uh, in one example that we're going to show in a second, uh, there's a group of African folks uh, uh, from one of the plains uh, that basically, well, you'll see, uh, when the people got off the plains, they couldn't, uh, they had to drive to the places where uh, they were going to be staying, right? And it wasn't like hotels, um, it was like a Salvation Army camp or a church or a school sleeping on the floor. Um, but in order to get there, they had to get on these school buses. Um, and so there's a group of African folks on the school bus. Um, and this scene is about what the bus driver does to get the African folks to get off the bus. And there was a language barrier. So go ahead and watch the scene. And it's, it's really cool. In the darkness, my bus arrives at the Salvation Army camp. We bus to a large gate, and the bus pulls to a stop. And through the windows, out there in the darkness, we see all these people coming out to the building. Now, we rarely use them, but everyone's dusted off their Salvation Army uniforms to welcome these people. There are soldiers everywhere. And there's all to see. The man at the front opens the door. I say, uh, here you are. Out you go. But he's not moving. None of them are. He's on the But then I notice his wife, well, she's clutching a Bible. Now, obviously, I can't read it. But their Bible, it'll have the same number system ours does. So, I ask uh, to see it. 
And I'm searching for something here. And then, in Philippians 4, 6, I give them their Bible, and I'm pointing, saying, look, Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. And that's how we started speaking the same language. They started speaking the same language, the language of faith. So when someone is walking through the valley of the shadow of death, we are called to come alongside them and remind them that God is with them. Through prayer, let their, requ- their, let their requests be known to God. We encourage people to reach out to God, not to something else. So that, like it says in verse 7, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Surpasses all understanding. Friends, this is not the time to sit back and watch people suffer. We are called as servants of the Lord to respond. Another way I feel that the Newfoundlanders uh, exhibited great, um, or exhibited the love of Christ uh, was that when, when the plain people arrived, all 7,000 of them, uh, there were about seven, so 38 planes, two or 300 people on the average on each plane. There's about 7,000 Newfoundlanders that live there, and about seven, so the, the town doubled population overnight, okay? So the plain people arrived, all 7,000, and people of Gander fed, housed, and cared for them for five days. And it wasn't like they just threw them in a hotel and showed them where the closest McDonald's was either. No, they had them in houses, schools, Salvation Army camps, and they were fed home-cooked meals and were given clothes and beds. And most importantly, the town council uh, figured out a way to get 75 phones in their office hooked up so that people could call home because that was the most scary part of the experience was not being able to know like if you had family that lived in New York so radical radical hospitality they went above and beyond funny example of this is this clip are starting to lose it. So these people here, they decide to have a big cookout for the whole community. Just trying to get our minds off of everything. And Dern, the mayor of Appleton, says to me, Right, well, son, do me a favor and start to round up some grills. I round up some grills? Yeah, just go to people's yards and take their grill. Take their grill? Someone's gonna shoot me. No, 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 no. Just go to people's yards and grab their grill. So I'm going from yard 
to the yard. And the whole time I keep thinking, someone's gonna shoot me in the back. Hello there. Are you taking my barbecue? This is your barbecue. Yeah, buddy. Uh, listen, I'm so sorry. Your wife's got the kettle on if you want a cup. I get offered a cup of tea in every single backyard. And most of them offer to help me steal their own barbecues. We bring them all over to the community center, no names on them. I don't know how they ever get them back. But that's how we have a big cookout, completely free. After that, I stop worrying so much about my wallet. Would this happen in America? Would this happen in our town? No, absolutely not. I think my dad, he would either have a stroke or he would come out with a baseball bat <laughs> if someone tried to take the barbecue, right? So when was the last time that you, we, went out of our way to provide a service to someone in time of need. This is not, and it should not, be a radical out-of-the-blue idea. Here's why. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 14, it's going to take me a second to find it. Matthew chapter 8, verse 14. We hear a story about how someone gave Jesus a gift of hospitality. When Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her, and she rose again and began to serve him. That evening, they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. And again in Matthew 26, uh, verse 6 through 10. Now, when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment and poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. She was anointing him for what he was about to go and do. He was about to go and die on the cross for our sins. This this and many other examples of hospitality in, throughout the Gospels is super important. I mean, seriously, there are so many that I could sit here and read them to you, and it would probably take three or four hours to get through all of them just in the four books of the Gospel. Why? Why is this so important? Probably because it's something we're supposed to practice in our lives. And furthermore, did Christ not show the most, give us the most incredible gift of hospitality of all time? Because of his death and resurrection, we are welcomed with open arms into the kingdom of heaven. The most incredible act 
and gift of hospitality of all time. We are welcomed with open arms into the place that he, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit reside. So if he can do that by dying on a cross, we can invite someone in need over for food and a place to stay. It's also great for just our community to invite each other over to each other's homes and eat meals together. And we do this a lot. As Presbyterians, we like our food. And it's a great thing that we do this a lot. I think we could do it more. At Sierra Press, we have two programs I want to point out. If you, if you aren't plugged in uh, to these things, check them out. Um, first is our summer tables programs. Now, summer tables is, is, is pretty much done for the summer now, uh, but next summer it, it would start back up again. And leadership, I mean, I personally may, I would recommend that we get something like that going year-round. Okay? But secondly, something that does happen year-round is our small group programs. Uh, in our small groups, some groups meet here at church, but they always share a meal. Some groups meet in each other's homes, and this is beautiful. And they are great ways to get involved with these pra- this practice of hospitality here at Sierra Press. Um, when we do this, when we invite someone into our home and feed them a meal, whether they are in a crisis or not, when we do this, what does it, what fruit comes from that? What does it build? Does anybody, anybody got me? Everybody got me? Relationships. And relationships are built on trust. Right? When you do this, you build trust with a person or a people, Right? So that when they are in a moment of crisis, when they are having moments of anxiety, they have that trust with you and you can share with them breathing exercises. You can share with them the fact that even though they walk through the valley of the shadow of death, they should fear no evil because God is with them. Right? So that is why this hospitality is so important. Because we want to build trust with people. So, the takeaways. First, if you here today are indeed in a place of anxiety, fear, desperation, pain, you are not alone. God is with you. There are lovely, godly people here at this church that will pray for you, come alongside you, like the Newfoundlanders did. Secondly, we are called to come alongside these people as, as a church body, people who are scared or anxious or confused. And we are called to invite each other over for meals it's, and, and, and commune together. Right? So, 
those are our takeaways, um, and that's what I got for you guys today. Amen. Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord turn his face toward you.
Amen.